what can you even say after a performance like that? With their season on the line Thursday night, the Jets play absolutely terrible football and lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars 19-3 at MetLife Stadium. We will discuss everything that went wrong today on the Locked On Jets podcast. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, this is the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Friday, December 23rd, 2022, and I'm your host, John B. from GangGreenNation.com. Thanking you for making the show your first listen or first watch every day. This podcast is free and it's available on all platforms, including YouTube. If you like what you see or hear, hit the subscribe button where you are watching or listening so that you'll never miss an episode. If you're listening on a podcast source, please give the show a five-star review. If you're watching on YouTube, please give this episode a big thumbs up. These things help the channel out and help other Jets fans find the podcast. Our episode of Lockdown Jets today is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's performance therapy done securely online, available to people worldwide. And they have a special offer for Locked On Jets listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn. Well, the Jets entered Thursday Night Football in desperate need of a win. They had fallen to 500 for the first time since Week 4. Critical game against the Jacksonville Jaguars, a game the Jets needed badly to win in order to keep their playoff hopes alive. And what happened? Well, they were thoroughly dominated in this game. Jacksonville won it 19-3, a game that maybe the score was closer than the actual disparity between these two teams. It was as ugly as it gets. And I kept thinking during this game about something I usually say during the offseason. I especially talk a lot about this during the month of August every year. It's partially, when we evaluate a Jet season, and whether it's a success or a failure, it's partially based on the final record. But it's also based on the path we take to get there. The journey sometimes can matter as much as the final destination. And at the start of the season, I think a lot of us felt like seven wins would be viewed as a success. In fact, a lot of us probably viewed seven wins as you know, kind of a reach, maybe the high-end mark of this particular Jets team. And it would be very difficult to come up with a scenario where seven wins would be looked at as a failure. Well, unfortunately, we're looking at that kind of season right now because the Jets now seem very likely to lose these last two games. They're going to have to travel to Seattle, maybe a Seattle Seahawks team that, that's not playing well. But... I don't think you can trust the Jets to win a game at this point after the way they were thoroughly dominated on Thursday night. And then a trip down to Miami to face the Dolphins, a team that, yeah, maybe the Jets beat them earlier in the year, but much different Miami team when they were playing Skylar Thompson at quarterback and a much different Jets team. Unfortunately for the Jets, there are no simple answers for what's happened. Now, part of this has been beyond their control. Obviously, losing Brees Hall hurts a lot. Brees Hall was the offense while he was in there. And while Garrett Wilson has stepped up at the receiver position and maybe helped the Jets compensate to a degree through the passing game, they're not getting enough out of the passing game. 
Brees Hall in there would have made a big difference. And the offensive line injuries, we've talked about them. There's been some bad luck on the offensive line. They're guys they were counting on who have been injured. And even though they've gotten guys back, when you're constantly reshuffling week after week after week, you know, it's not easy. It's not easy to develop the chemistry that you need to ultimately have success. It's not easy to constantly just shuffle guys in and out. So there's been some things that have been beyond the Jets' control. But you look at that game Thursday night, it was not a winning effort. In my opinion, it was not a winning effort in any phase of the game. Now, you can look at this and say, well, the Jets only gave up 19 points. But yeah, the Jets' defense allowed Jacksonville to have a lot of success in the first half. And the Jaguars took complete control of this game early on. Unfortunately, for you know, I don't know if it's unfortunate, but this game had a very different tone on the first series because Quinn and Williams immediately strip-sacked Trevor Lawrence and got the Jets the ball in scoring position. And it kind of showed you the night, the way this night was going to go because the Jets immediately did nothing. And I think a lot of the blame for that first series has to go on Mike LaFleur. There was an inexplicable play that looked like a read option unless you know, there was some sort of bust or somebody missed the play call. Then the second down run. Then a third down play where the Jaguars blitzed and the Jets had no answer for it. So the Jets had to settle for a Greg Zorline field goal to take an early 3-0 lead, which, you know, tough to complain about an early lead. But the opportunity squandered, and that was pretty much it for the Jets' offense that night. And on defense, again, Jacksonville took control of this game early. It was 13-3 at halftime. A 13-point half is not great. And beyond that, just the flow of the game. I know you can say the Jets, well, the Jets gave up less than 20 points in this one. Well, again, the Jaguars were in control of this game by halftime. And you know what bothers me is that the fa- is the fact that Jaguars took the lead for good on a 96-yard touchdown drive where the defense just, you know, could not get a stop. In fact, I mean, this Jacksonville's first, you know, first half drives, one was a fumble, one was a field goal, there, and then there was the 96-yard touchdown drive, another field goal, and then a missed field goal. So on every drive except for that first one, Jacksonville could have gotten points. You know, if their, their kicker miss, makes a field goal, Jacksonville's got, a, got points on almost all of their first half drives. So you can't say this defense, I don't think you can say it was a winning effort for the defense. Certainly was a better effort than what we saw on offense. And for me, this is the type of game where excuses fail. Because I, you know, I laid out some excuses. I think that there, there are some valid excuses for why the Jets have fallen off after their hot start. And listen, I think part of it is if you're looking at this objectively, and I said this at the time, I don't think it's fair to say it was the only reason the Jets had early success. I think you have to give the Jets success, because give, give the Jets credit, because they were playing good football earlier in the season. And I don't think it's fair to just completely write it off. But of course, the string of backup quarterbacks that they faced certainly contributed to it. It played a role and it helped the Jets, you know, maybe beat expectations in the early part of the season. Again, you give other guys credit. Brees Hall was playing phenomenal football at the time he got injured. And of course, there's been bad luck. But this is the type of game. In fact, I think the last two games, they're the types of games where you just can't dismiss this as bad luck because these are two winnable games. Listen, these are two teams that Detroit last week and Jacksonville this week. These are two teams playing well, but when you get these teams like this in your building in December and you can't take care of business, you don't deserve to go to the playoffs. And I think any chance the Jets had of making the playoffs ended tonight. And I've been pretty vocal about this, that I felt like 
it was probably going to take 10 and 7 to get the Jets into the postseason this year. I, beyond my views on how many wins it was going to take, the Jets obviously need to win games in December. You know, typically what happens in the NFL at this time of year is you got a bunch of teams, you know, in the mix for that last playoff spot. And it's the team that plays the best in December, the team that gets hot in the final month of the season. I guess, you know, this regular season now ends in January with week 18. But what the beginning of December through the through you know the end of the regular season, it's the team that gets hot. And the Jets aren't they're the team that's cold right now. They're the team that's fading. And I hate to you you're gonna look back on the season, a season where the Jets have made genuine progress and say it's a failure. But and maybe that's a little harsh, but I think the way the Jets, if they finish 7-10, and 10, the way that they get there, it makes it very, very difficult to view this season ultimately as a success because you started 7-4. and four. You were right in the mix. It would be one thing if you were playing like Jacksonville right now. You know, the Jaguars missed the playoffs. Their fans are still going to view the season as a, as a success because they got their team playing great down the stretch. They saw a better team in December than they saw in September. And of course, part of this is their young quarterback, who you know was up and down in this game, but for the most part, their young quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, is genuinely growing. In a way, Zach Wilson is not. And as we continue this Friday game recap episode of the Locked On Jets podcast, we're going to talk about Zach Wilson because he was not good enough once again in this game. It's been one of the stories of the season. Zach Wilson not growing. It did not hurt the Jets early. It's really hurting them now. We, we will talk about this more as we continue this Friday game recap. Today's episode of Locked On Jets is brought to you by Turo. Turo is the world's largest car sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want, wherever you want it, from a community of local hosts. You can browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the U.S., Canada, the UK and Australia. You can book a spacious SUV or minivan for a family road trip. You can get a classic or luxury car for a special event, birthday, or holiday. You can find affordable economy cars if you're on a budget and just need to get from point A to point B. You can test drive that new electric vehicle you've had your eye on to see how it fits into your everyday life. You know, you may be traveling for the holiday this week. I, I'm traveling. I'm on the road. If you're watching on YouTube, you may see a different background. I am now on the West Coast. Fortunately, I was able to beat the bad weather out on Thursday. And, you know, if you need to get around, check out Turo. Many Turo hosts can deliver the car right to you. And every trip is backed by liability insurance. Terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Forget boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo, T-U-R-O.com. Did you know that driving high is considered driving under the influence? That's right. Driving under the influence of marijuana is against the law in every state, even in states where marijuana is legal. That means driving high could get you a DUI. And if you think law enforcement officers cannot tell when you are driving high, you are wrong. Your friends can tell. Your coworkers can tell. Even your parents can tell. Everyone can tell. So what makes you think that law enforcement officers don't know when you're driving high? Driving under the influence of marijuana can slow your response time and change how you perceive time and speed. So even if you think you're fine to drive when you're high, you are not. Because the bottom line is, if you feel different, you drive different. And driving high is driving under the influence. So remember, drive high, get a DUI. Paid for by NHTSA. 
Thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen every day. This show is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. We are here to recap a Jets loss as the Jets fall to the Jacksonville Jaguars 19-3 at MetLife Stadium on Thursday Night Football. Jets record falls to 7-8 and on the season. The Jets are now under 500 for the first time since they were 1-2 after their Week 3 loss to the Cincinnati Bengals. It looked for a long time like even if the Jets were not going to end their playoff drought, they were going to end this losing season streak that they're on. They have not had a winning season since 2015, and now it's going to take a lot for the Jets to be able to break that streak. They're, in fact, they'll have to win two, two road games to end the season. It's going to be a tall order. And part of the reason it's going to be a tall order is their young quarterback has not grown this year. Zach Wilson went out there on Thursday night against Jacksonville and played another, let's just say it, it was a miserable game. And I think the mistake people make when they evaluate these quarterbacks is when you, you see sometimes people like go easy a little bit easy on Zach, and you know sometimes I go easy on Zach, but I think the the mistake you make is that you believe that because it's not one hundred percent the quarterback's fault, that means it's zero percent, and there's a difference between it not being one hundred percent the quarterback's fault and it being zero percent the quarterback's fault. It's not one hundred percent Zach Wilson's fault. The offensive line is just bad right now. And, you know, the Jets are not getting much from their running game. Bam Knight, who got off to an outstanding start, you know, those first three games, has really slowed down these last couple of weeks. And, you know, the receiving position, they've had guys in and out, they've had guys injured, guys not playing great. But yeah, you can reach a point where you just have to state the obvious. Zach Wilson's not good enough right now. Last week's against Detroit, it was kind of a mixed performance. And there were some genuinely good moments, but as happened so frequently with Zach Wilson, he doesn't build on the good. And the bad just keeps repeating itself over and over and over. I've said this many times. With Zach Wilson, it's always one step forward, one step back, or even one step forward, two steps back. There's never consistent progress. And how many, I mean, I know the only interception was kind of in a Hail Mary situation in this game. But, I mean, he put a couple balls in harm's way again. He's constantly throwing the ball into double coverage. He doesn't know what he's seeing. He can't move within the pocket. I, in some ways, felt like the benching um, after the New England game was the best thing that could have happened for him because it would give him a chance to get away, you know, maybe even sit for the rest of the season, come back next season a little bit stronger. You know, maybe the failures would be a little bit more distant. Maybe the fan base would be willing to give him another chance. Mike White getting hurt has forced Zach Wilson back into the lineup. And now we're getting even more failure from Zach Wilson. It's gonna, I feel like it's going to be tougher and tougher for him to come back from what we're seeing because the Jets scored three points in this game with Zach Wilson, a quarterback. And those three were gifted by the defense. The defense put the Jets in scoring range to get those three points. So it's not even like you could say Zach Wilson led the Jets to three points. Zach Wilson led the Jets to zero points in this game, a game the Jets needed badly, a game against a defense that's not that good. And, I mean, here's the worst part, I think. The Jets benched Zach Wilson for Chris Strebler, a practice squad quarterback. I mean, what does that tell you about what Robert Sala thinks of Zach Wilson if he's benching him for a practice squad quarterback? I mean, not even, not a guy with experience. It's one thing to bench him for Joe Flacco. That would be bad enough if he got benched for Joe Flacco. It was bad enough he got benched for Mike White, if we're being honest. He got benched for Chris Strebler. And it gets even worse. You know, I said that, that was the worst part. I was wrong. The worst part is the offense actually moved the ball better with Strebler. And listen, you saw how 
limited Strevler is. You know, I think watching Strevler in the fourth quarter of that game and, you know, late third quarter, that should probably end all calls for Strevler to be the starting quarterback in a world where maybe there's a better option than Zach Wilson. Because you saw Strevler's not an NFL level, level passer. But, you know, another amazing thing is Strevler made a terrible throw on a pass to CJ Uzama where it's an, I mean, it's a layup touchdown. I mean, he badly underthrows it. Uzama comes back and, you know, kind of makes a diving catch. And he gets cheers. He gets cheers for blowing an easy touchdown because he actually completed the pass. At least he didn't throw the ball away. Because Zach Wilson's just airmailing so many passes that you got to hit. It's just bad right now for Zach Wilson. I don't really know what else to say. We've seen a lot of quarterback struggle for this franchise. We've seen, if over the last 15 years, we've seen young quarterback after young quarterback fail. You could even go back to Kellen Clemens. I don't think I've ever seen a young quarterback struggle to the degree Zach Wilson has, at least one who was drafted this high. I mean, you, I guess you could argue Hackenberg, but I don't even know if Hackenberg... I guess Hackenberg would be the guy, but I don't, sometimes you wonder whether Hackenberg really counts because that was so ridiculous. But of like the other of the like quarterbacks who were actually viable... Zach Wilson's probably struggling more than any of them. He's probably bringing less to the, to the table than any of them. And, you know, like what his calling card is supposed to be is having this big arm. But how many times do you see his passes sail because he doesn't have good mechanics? You know, having just a lot of raw power in your arm does not do you a heck of a lot of good if you don't utilize it in a way that's going to drive the football down the field, in a way that's going to drive the football into tight windows. It's not going to work. I don't really know whether Zach Wilson could start another game for the Jets this year. And listen, this game, I don't want to act like this was some sort of seminal moment for Zach Wilson because, quite frankly, heading into this game, it kind of felt like, it's always felt like a long shot the last couple of weeks because if you look at the way Zach Wilson's begun his career, there are not many quarterbacks who come back from how poorly he's playing. He's just not ready. He's not... He's not good enough right now. But if you had told me at the beginning of the season that Zach Wilson would be, would be getting benched for Chris Strebler and the Jets' offense would look better with Strebler because Strebler could at least make some plays with his legs, it, it would be a very sad situation for the Jets. And, you know, Zach Wilson, was, Zach Wilson was playing poorly earlier in the season. It was not costing the Jets games. Now it's costing the Jets games. And it's difficult to say where the Jets go from here. And the other issue is every single quarterback the Jets have put in over the last two years has played better than him. Mike White's played better than him. Flacco's, at his best, has been better than Zach Wilson. Even Josh Johnson last year against the Colts was better than Zach Wilson. There's just not a lot of good you can say about Zach Wilson right now. And it's unfortunate. And it's clear that the Jets are going to have to do something at the quarterback position in the offseason because bringing back Zach Wilson as the starter is just... a Something they can't, it's just not a viable option for them. Of course, it was not only Zach Wilson's fault on Thursday night. As we close out this Friday edition of the Locked On Jets podcast, we'll talk about some of the other areas where the Jets failed in this game. Well, the Jets certainly did not come through as one and a half point favorites on Thursday night football, but there are plenty of interesting games coming up this weekend. And you should know that BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get all the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From pro football to college bowl season to to basketball, they've got it all at BetOnline.net. 
And if you love sports podcasts, you can even find them at Bet Online as well. They're the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Bet Online, where the game starts. This is the Locked On Jets podcast here on this Friday, recapping a Jets loss as they fall to the Jacksonville Jaguars 19-3 at MetLife Stadium Thursday night football. We talked about Zach Wilson being the number one culprit. And listen, it's always the quarterback position. And right now, for all the issues the Jets have, a lot of them could be fixed if they were not getting you know zero from the quarterback position. That's what they're getting right now. But there were some other issues in this Thursday night game. I talked in the first segment I don't care. I don't think the defense played well in this game. I do not think they got the big-time performance they needed from this unit. And this unit's supposed to carry the football team. They got that first, you know, that first series. They got the fumble that they recovered. And how about that? The Jets actually recovered a fumble in this game. And they failed to take advantage of it. And after that, you know, the Jaguars had a lot of success in the first half. And then, you know, once they get the lead, I don't really buy into, like, the defense playing well, you know, once you're two, three scores behind in the second half. Because... The other team's offense has an incentive to play very conservatively. And even if they're throwing the ball, your quarterback's going to make decisions that he may, may not make in a tighter game. Because at that point, your goal as an offense is just to avoid the big mistake that's going to change the game. So the defense did not play well enough. But a guy who I think also deserves a lot of criticism in this one is Mike LaFleur. And I've been very pretty vocal about him. And I think like people misinterpret what I say about LaFleur. I'm not acting like LaFleur is like one of the great coordinators in the league when I defend him. I'm saying that, you know, when you get the quarterback play Zach Wilson's providing, lots of coordinators are going to look bad. When your players don't execute, you know, you'll look pretty bad. I don't understand a lot of what LaFleur did in this game. And I went back to that first series where you begin with what looked like a zone read, then a run play, then a blitz the Jets had no answer for. Then they, in an odd spot in the first half, they put Streveler in. They benched Zach Wilson first, Streveler in the second half. Streveler went in for like one play in the first half and the Jets committed a penalty. This is one of those things. All season long, people want to see a Streveler package. They keep saying we got to see Streveler get on the field, you know, throw him in there. But this is that's one of the risks that, that happens. And it, that, that penalty, you know, pretty much destroyed a series for the Jets. It, it kind of took the offense out of the out of the flow. And essentially sometimes what happens is if you put in a new guy who hasn't been used to playing and hasn't really been around all season long. And you, you you have some sort of like chemistry issue. You have some sort of issue with, you know, the snap count, something along those lines. Because the you know guys aren't used to playing with this guy at, at quarterback, and sometimes that just throws the offense totally out of flow. Uh, Lafleur really seemed like he had no answers for the Jacksonville defense. And again, in defense, I mean, was Zach Wilson playing at the level he was playing at? A lot of coordinators would struggle, but just within the flow of the game. It was really difficult for me to understand some of the decisions LaFleur made, and that be, that was started at the, in the first series. This was the opposite of the Detroit first series. In the, the Detroit first series, the Jets were in a horrible situation. They were pretty much backed up on their own goal line because the Lions had gone right down the field, and the Jets' defense, to their credit, did get a goal line stop. But the offense, you, when you're in that spot, it's, it's really tough because your goal, honestly, more than anything, is just to get a first down or two to give your punter a little bit more room. And why is that? Well, you saw what happened in Detroit when Braden Mann got backed up. In this situation, the Jets were in scoring range. They could attack. And they just did not attack. They really did not do a, he- a whole lot to try and attack. They, they, it, I mean, that situation, don't you, when your team's really struggling, 
don't you want to get an early touchdown to build some momentum, to build some confidence, to say, you know, this this is the night things turn around for our team? And the Jets just showed a complete lack of aggression in that situation, one that I think is very difficult to understand. And I go through the first half where the Jets are struggling. Look, Mike LaFleur is not helping out anybody. And listen, I, I don't want to make excuses for Zach Wilson, and I won't. I do think, I do wonder why LaFleur doesn't do more to try and at least generate, try and manufacture some offense. I just, I look at this game and I I feel like there were lots of areas where where the offensive game plan was lacking. And this is stuff that's independent. The lack of performance from the players is more important, but it's independent of whether the play calling made sense. And to me, the play calling did not make sense in this game. And really, I think you look across the team, this was a very lifeless effort from the Jets. And I think Robert Sala has to take some grief from that because your season's on the line. And you essentially go and get blown out in your own building. You don't show a lot of fight in this game. This game felt like it was over at halftime. So nobody can... I, I don't think there are many players who can walk away from this game and feel good about their performance. Anyway, that's all for today's episode. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day is our motto. As always, if you enjoy the show, hit the subscribe button where you're watching or listening so that you'll never miss an episode. If you're listening on a podcast source, please give the show a five-star review. If you're watching on YouTube, please give this episode a big thumbs up. These things help the channel out and help other Jets fans find the podcast. Hope you have a wonderful holiday. Hope you get to enjoy it with family and friends. I hope you get to enjoy some of the NFL games this weekend that don't involve the Jets. Have a great Christmas. Everybody will be back next week to talk more Jets.